absolutely. Well, there you are. I don't know why it works that time. You're welcome. Should we do this? Let's get it going. Welcome, everyone, to One-on-One Live with Coach Blue and Athletic Director Marissa. Hello, everyone. Good to have you all here. Thank you so much for uh, being part of today's show. One-on-One Live with Coach Blue is a call-in show where you can submit questions either through the social media platforms and or jumping on here on Zoom. We're going to be taking a deep dive today, so uh, brace yourself. But before we do all that, I want to thank all of you who came out and, uh, and celebrated with us our 11-year anniversary this last weekend. Yes. We, we had a great time. We had a nice big We had party. amazing food. You know, yeah. Wendell. Wendell, oh my Man. yumminess. And his family came out and hung out for a bit. It's good to, to see all them. Um, I shouldn't say this, but uh, Wendell is probably like better than Gordon Ramsay on the smoker, I'm going to say. He's he's a good smoker. Absolutely. It was awesome. But then all of you who also participated in the Provo Half uh, Marathon, what a great experience that was. We posted a video to the social media links. Go check that out. You can see a little bit of the of the struggle that was the Provo Half. It's always a fun mm-hmm. run. It's the anniversary run. We do it every year. And this year we had, I think, six new. Yeah, six um, first athletes. time half marathon finishers. Mm-hmm. And every one of them finished. It was awesome. So congratulations. Yeah. And uh, thank job, you guys. for being part of Team as Athlete these last 11 years. Let's just keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Next on the horizon, though, we have an amazing event. And a lot of people are kind of confused about this event. It's our No One Left Behind Half Marathon. This is where you grab two of your best friends, so there's three of you, and you compete on this marathon together. And the rule and the gimmick is you can only be 15 feet apart at any time. Yep. Because you need to make sure that no one finishes alone, right? We have to do this recovery thing with support and a team. And so we're doing it together. So if you're interested in wanting to do this and you're like, who do I run with post on Facebook, post on Instagram, say you want to do it, you know, reel in some friends from work, a neighbor, this is a good time to practice. Cause one of the other things a lot of people struggle with in early recovery is making friends again. Mm -hmm. And this is a great way to initiate conversation and make some new friends it happens and something cool that i've noticed uh as you know being a therapist and 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 utilizing the skill sets of emdr while we're running is that amazing barriers are broken and lots of stuff is processed and when you have people next to you these conversations can go into places that uh, that will will kind of i think uh, you know spark uh, healing yeah. so this is why we're doing this and it's awesome because this run isn't really meant for you to come in first it's meant for you to go have the experience and to go have yeah. a, a union with with these people if you don't have a runner and you're a single runner and you're like man i want to do this but i don't know if you know any of my family wants to run with me or friends or family jump on our social media pages. Let that, let us know that you yourself have registered, but don't have a team and we'll do our best to find you one. We'll help get those links together. We'll help, you know, spot spontaneity. Uh, you know, it'll all be that kind of like grassroots stuff, but we'll get you someone to run with. And if we need to bend the rules a little bit and put you on a team of four, we can do that too, but don't let your, your anxiety uh, keep you from registering, jump on, Let's get you guys going. There's going to, it's going to be a great event. Yeah. And I think if you guys post and ask, you know, say what your average mile time is or that you're not, you know, Hey, I'm running for the best. I want to win. And so I'm looking for somebody running this fast or, Hey, I just want to finish and have the experience. 
you know, invite somebody to come and join and, you. And Marissa, chances are you may be a coach out there to someone who's never run one before. Yep. So even though you want to go out there and crush your, crush your time, you may be put in a situation by which you get to help someone else experience their first time completing something like this. Yeah. So it's about the experience. It's about having the, the relationships. It's about having fun. It's uh, on our website. This is addicttoathlete.org. You can find all of our race entries uh, on there. We have two open right now, right? Yes. No one left behind and, and our, the proxy our run. 5K for Labor Day, September, and you can register for both. Absolutely. And so jump on addicttoathlete.org, check that out. And while you're on there, and we're going to push this a little bit today, and, I, and you'll find out why as we get into today's topic, but you'll also on our website find links to be able to become and become certified as a official addict to athlete recovery coach. Yep. Now more than ever, we need your help. This is a very intense peer to peer training course. That's going to help you become certified as an addict to athlete coach. Now I yep. say that with, with the greatest level of respect, because it is not one of these Facebook things where you jump on and for $5 and 25 cents, you can become a yeah. peer-to-peer coach. This is serious. There's a lot to this. It's not a, it's not when you'll be able to crank out in the, in a, in a day session. It's going to yeah. take you some time. And the reason why is because as we get into today's topic, you'll see that we need more troops on the battlefront. Yeah. We need more people willing to start investing in human, yeah. human life. Right. Yeah. So jump on attitudeathlete.org, go over to our resources page. Is that yes. where they'll find it's it under personal training. And it is the Certified Recovery Coach Training. Yeah, um, it is also really flexible because it's all online. It can be done on your own time, and you know, after you put the kids in bed, we have a couple moms doing it right now, and they are being able to work through and around their kids' schedule and what works for them. Absolutely, and so check it out. We how many how many coaches do we have right now that are. <sighs> Getting ready like to start six to eight that have started recently. So Absolutely. We're so excited. This to get is some not, more people. this is not a program that is exclusive to Utah where our home base is. We have coaches now from all over the country and a couple around the world. So jump on attitudeathlete.org, check it out. Um, you'll see here in a bit, we need your help. Yeah. Marissa, Patreon, share yes. with us a little bit about what Patreon is. So Patreon is a fundraising platform. <clears throat> it helps us be able to, keep this podcast going. We do two to four podcasts a week. And so it takes a lot of time, effort, money, resources. And we are so grateful to all of our Patreons that already get on there and help us. But also is this is a way that we can give back to you. We have free, like we have exclusive content just for our Patreon subscribers. Right now we have part of the personal recovery playbook on there. So if you want to get your eyes on that first before others, this is where you do it. And then we have other episodes that are just for our Patreon people. And we also have exclusive gear with, you know, a yearly shirt and other gear just for Patreon. And that's coming out very short. In fact, uh, now that you say that listeners on Patreon right now, We'll be sending you out a message here shortly and we need to get your sizes. Make yep. sure that we get your sizes correct. And uh, we will send these to you if you're far away or if you're around the area, we can deliver them. But we want to make sure that you get this year's gear for all the contributions that you guys have made. And I want to thank you all. And we have a new a, a new uh, Patreon subscriber uh -huh. and uh, she's actually placed herself within the super fan platform. So our new super fan is uh, Karen Hardy. 
Welcome, Thank you Karen. so much, Karen. So good Thank to have you, you here. Uh, welcome to the super fan. You're in great company because we also have Jerem Thurston, Tracy Whitby, who her first half marathon. Yes. Yeah, got to run with hers. her for a little bit. And then she didn't, cause I was getting weak. I had to send her on. Yes. Yeah. Holly Davies, Holly also yes. crushed that half marathon. Scott Foster, coach Chris Williams, Brett Frew, coach Tara Butson, Steve Riggs, of course, Karen Hardy. Welcome to the, to the uh, platform there and the warrior within podcast and personal development by sensei KP, a great Thank podcast. You. Go check it out. And I got to run with KP for quite a while. Yeah. You guys did quite a few we miles had, uh, together. We had lots of conversations to have. So thank you all super fans, our rookie level. Thank you so much. Kenny Roseman, who just so happened to be 2022s, 2021, 2020, whatever, because yeah. our official addict athlete MVP of the year. Yes. Congratulations, Kenny. Congrats, Kenny. Kenny shares that podium with yes, another does. Patreon subscriber, mm-hmm. Earl Dyer. Yes. Both Earl and Kenny are our, our, our latest MVPs, most valuable players. So you'll be seeing a video on that soon. Uh, Cher Bearshaw Paulson out there cruising the highways and byways. Thank yes. you so much, Cher. It's good to have you here. She's also taking the sober coach training. Yes, she is. Absolutely. And Sione and Mary Enoch. Thank you guys so much. Welcome. Guys. And, uh, and, uh, that Enoch family, thank you guys so much, uh, for your, your donations to, uh, the family that we had that was in need. You guys, you guys came through and yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. We had a dad get his custody of his child overnight and grandma needed some help. Grandma needed some, some stuff. Clothes. He only came with some clothes on his back and a teddy bear and, and the Inuks and many others on the team just showed Stepped up. up. So thank, thank you. you. Our pro level subscribers. I don't know if, if, if our newest one is a BYU fan. So we might have to ask know, him directly, sure. but we have Wendell Wood again, who is uh, amazing uh, behind that smoking grill. What yep. a great, great job he did. Gary Thurston. Thanks so much, Gary. And of course, our newest pro level subscriber, Andrew Baird. Thank you so much, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew, to the pro level. Andrew Patreon. won the most enthusiastic about running award. Yes, he did. But he couldn't come and be at the award ceremony <laughs> because he was running the Dino Half. Enthusiastically with Coach running and, and out, Heath. Alan yeah. Vernal. Yep. Yeah. And of course, our championship level subscribers. Thank you so much, Shad and Freya Robison and the Robison family. We got to hang out with them on Saturday. Thank you. And Ron and Dee Loesch, who I've also been told is starting our coaching program. Yes, Dee is. Dee is starting our coaching program. She lives yep. up north in God's country. Yeah, Montana. Montana. And she's been contacted by their local judge to help bring some of these services to their community. And I'm I'm so grateful. I'm excited. I can't and wait to awesome go to up there. And help you launch whatever you need. Big Sky uh, D, Country. Let us know. We're there for you. We'll be there to help you launch this whole deal. Um, but yeah, if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, super easy. Jump on Addict to Athletes. No, oh no, sorry, Patreon. Patreon.com slash addict to athlete, and it'll it'll hook you up. Yep. All right, Marissa, as we were talking to the great Dr. Paul today and scheduling some podcasts and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, my ADHD got the best of me and I kind of floated over to a website. And, uh, I, I got gutted when I read yeah. this and I, it's one of these things where I'm like, should I really be surprised? Yeah. But I think if we're not surprised, we are in trouble. So yeah. listeners, I just did a, a live video on this. So some of you are aware, but some of you aren't, and that is the U S overdose death rate record hits an all time high yet again with reporting early preliminary numbers. Yeah. This Early preliminary. Not all not all states have have uh, been counted yet. Yeah, right? they're they're doing a 
a guesstimate on the other states that haven't officially. So it'll probably be close. Which but. is scary because it could be more, but yeah. we're now at a national record of 107,000 people dying of overdose in the United States yeah. over the last year, April, 2021 to April, 2022. That listeners is terrifying. And the reason why it's terrifying is because last year, because of the pandemic, we got these scary numbers pushing a hundred thousand. Now more than 107,000 Americans died. And this is what it says. More than 107,000 Americans died uh, of drug overdose last year, setting another tragic record in the nation's escalating overdose epidemic. The Center for the Disease Control and Prevention estimated on Wednesday that, you know, lo and behold today. So it says the provisional data from 2021 translates roughly five, sorry, one person dying every five minutes now. I know. It's heartbreaking. That, Marissa, is gut-wrenching. I was really, honestly, I, when I heard the year, the numbers last year and they jumped so high, I mean, it made sense. The pandemic, I knew it was bad. It wasn't good for people. The services were cut. Our services were cut. Um, but I really did think that this next year it would go down a little because things were mm-hmm. opening up a little bit. Not tons, but you know, some. And to be even higher was really heartbreaking. It is. It says that marks a 15% increase from the previous record, which was last year, which was the year before and the year before. I mean, this is each year. Unfortunately, this is a record breaking year. Yeah. The CDC reviews death certificates and then makes an estimate uh, to account for delayed uh, reporting and maybe incomplete reporting. Mm -hmm. But this is what it has to say, Marissa, is that it's, it's truly staggering to wrap your head around what's going on in our country. It says the U.S. overdose deaths have risen mostly for the past two decades. It was pretty plateaued in the last two decades. We've seen a huge increase beginning with the 90s with overdoses involving opiate painkillers. Yeah. You know what came online back then? Yeah. Thank you, Purdue it. Pharma. You, you Sackler families, man, congratulations on all your work. You've done great. Then the wave of deaths followed from heroin. And now, most recently, fentanyl. Fentanyl contributes to a huge part of this overdose number. Mm -hmm. Listeners, if you have not been made aware of or are unsure what fentanyl is at this point in time, you're way behind the curve. Yeah. Fentanyl is one of the most dangerous substances that I think is out there right now. And, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about it, but there's also a lot of like, I think, uh, naivete towards it, if you will. Right. Oh yeah. Since last year, overdoses involving fentanyl and other synthetic opiates surpassed 71,000 up 23% from the year before, which means it's coming in all over the place. Yeah. There's also, uh, you know, 23% increase in deaths involving cocaine, 34% increased deaths involving meth and other stimulants. Yeah. So this isn't just opiates listeners. This is everything. All of it. So what are we doing, Marissa? What's going on here? Every year, every year we do this. Do you remember when uh, 2016, 2017, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 16 when we started with these numbers. We were in St. George, Utah. Mm -hmm. And I read this and I thought, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm not a great mathematic genius, but I realized that that was 144 people every day passing away. Yeah. Now, 250 plus every day. That's, that is, it's almost a 300 a day. It's almost a 300 a day. That, that boggles my mind. Yeah. 
and and I, I don't know. I don't want to get political. I don't want to get like you know flip floppy here. But trying to find some of these numbers, even on the CDC website, was a little bit of a nightmare. And the reason why mm-hmm. it's preliminary. There's all these things, but their landing page still is a lot about COVID nineteen. And I know I get it. It's still a very dangerous thing out there. Yeah. But this has been a dangerous thing for the past two decades. Why is this not on the forefront of every newspaper? Why is this not on the forefront of every news report? Why is this not getting the publicity that you think it needs? I think there's still a lot of stigma to it. There's still a lot of people that look at it as that was just their choice and they chose to just be an addict and that's what they're doing. And, you know, just kind of throw away people, sadly. But I also believe this is finally now affecting so many people, so many households, sadly, that it had to get to this point that people are starting to see that it's bigger than what's ever been discussed and talked about. It's more than the homeless guy on the corner, mm-hmm. a whole lot more. Absolutely. You know, it goes it's, much deeper it, than yeah, that, it's huh? pro sports. It's, you know, movie stars, it's actors, like it's, but it's also, you know, the high school kid down the road, the 4.0 GPA, you know, and it's going everywhere. It's heartbreaking listeners. And, and here's the thing, right? What do we do about it? Because I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million more. The troops aren't coming. The government's not coming to rescue us. We are the troops. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Well, there is no real like, like easy solution to this. I just don't think that there's an easy like, like, uh, you know, pathway to, to solve this. And I know it's heartbreaking. That's not what we want to hear, but you boil this down to what's really going on within our society. That's causing this Yeah. now opiates are a great uh, indicator of, of the pulse of the nation. And it's kind of an interesting concept because when you look at what's going on, there's a lot of pain in our, in our world right now, there's a ton, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things that can produce pain. Yeah. Now, if you know me and you've heard you know, Coach Blue get up on his soapbox, I talk a lot about how I believe that nine times out of 10, the mechanism for, for substance use is derived from pain, yep. emotional, physical, spiritual, you know, mental, something hurts. And the best way to suppress that is with substances until it's not. And yeah. Right. So where do we, where do we, we, where do we begin drilling down on how will we become a nation that is afraid to deal with pain that is emotionally locked away? Some of our, our, our outlets to cope with it. Um, where have the people gone in our lives that we could you know, lean on? Everyone's got problems. Everyone's yeah. got situations. Um, this isn't going to be a sexy conversation because there's no silver bullet and when you boil it down to its raw core issues, it has to do with family systems. Yeah. Why do you say that? <laughs> Cause there's so many. <laughs> why do I say that? <laughs> now this isn't going to be easy for a lot of people to hear and it's okay because if we don't talk about it, we'll never have a dialogue, which means we'll never come to some solutions. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading like some of the excerpts on like, okay, so where, where are we failing? Now, I tell you the troops aren't coming. We're the troops for a few reasons. One, because the government can't really do anything. As much as we think and we want them to, they can't. Because we don't want the government in our living rooms. We don't want them behind our our home, our doors at home, right? Well, and it's also such a 
big organization and such a big problem and population, how does something address an issue that happens individually? Where does this on the big picture? Where does you know? this start? It starts with you. Mm-hmm. It starts with me, it starts with you, it starts with everyone listening. We have to start taking care of ourselves first and others second. Now, what does that mean, taking care of? That mean that mean, you know, like 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 enabling them or, you know, like like sheltering them from consequences? No. Mm-hmm. But I look at it this way, right? If I if I took the traditional path um, and I went into therapy maybe as a young adult, which I did, yeah. I could have channeled all of my anger and all my frustration right back down to my core family system. Being a product of a mother who was m- married multiple times, suffering child abuse from, from abusive stepfathers, moving around, having schools, you know, you start school and uh, start school, you know, a grade in one school, move to another school by the end, learning yeah. disabilities, physical, emotional abuse. Yeah. I have every reason in the world to be a world-class addict. Yeah. My pain, my suffering, my abuse, it hurts significantly. So therefore I find a substance, which I did for many years mm-hmm. and I suppressed it that way. It worked. Okay. I had to pull myself out of that because I found someone that gave enough of a, of an arm to, to, to grab onto a hand that, that was, that was, you know, extended, mm-hmm. but you didn't do this for me, no. but you gave me some foundation. Now, if I go into therapy and I start saying, well, this is how I'm, you know, I'm going on. This is what's happening. Traditionally, what we're going to do is say, well, you have the world's worst parents, right? And although I had some interesting examples, and this is hard, they did the best they could. And the best they could sucked. Yeah. But that's, that was my lot. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to look at their pain and their trauma and just throw it away on the wayside, because that's not what I'm saying. It's not easy. But I chose I chose because I found someone that cared enough to see behind all that stuff and see the person inside or behind those walls is someone good. I would love to sit here and tell you that my life is incredibly uh, amazing because I've been able to put everything into its, its place. Mm-hmm. My family system on my side is still very askew. It's still very, you know, like, like uh, you know, murky, right? Yeah. But why don't I use that as an, an excuse to keep using? Because you, I mean, what's an excuse going to do? What is it an excuse for anything it's gonna hurt to do me. at the end of the day? Yeah, it's going to hold us back. It's going to be more detrimental to ourselves, whether it's an excuse for not going to get a job or an excuse to not exercise when I know I needed to. At the end of the day, it hurts us more than anything else. When I realized that I couldn't use enough substance to take away the memories and the physical scars that I carry, um, I couldn't use enough to forget what, what Paul did to me, my stepdad, who is, I think, the devil himself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm hurting myself. Do you think Paul gives a damn How about me? How often does think about you? Yeah. You know, no, he doesn't. So why am I taking this out on me and the yeah. people around me? And when I went to the, you know, the people around me and wanted to hold them accountable, they gave me the finger and they left, right? That hurts. Yeah. And it's still not easy. 46 years old and that stuff still kind of hurts, but it doesn't hurt as bad because now I get to channel that pain in a different direction. So here's the deal. 
most of the time when we get into therapy and counseling and we start digging into family history, we are really nervous to talk about our parents and the way we were raised because we're afraid we're going to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Oh, well, my mother was not the cause of my pain. She had stewardship in it, but she wasn't the cause. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, and that's all of it. You know, like when you say, do we blame parents for the issues and it starts in the home, everyone thinks it has to have blame somewhere. That's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. We're saying their stewardship for everyone. And it's for us, it's all being aware of the issues and where they are, where they're going, where they're coming from. Because if you don't look at it, you can't fix it or change it. Yeah. So, so the one thing that still has not happened in my own life that I don't know if an end or, you know, even if it will is to sit down and have a real conversation with her. I don't think it could ever happen with, with Paul. I don't think he's on this little ball of mud anymore. I think yeah. he's underneath it six feet somewhere. Right. Probably. Um, and he gets to deal with his maker on that one. But the reason why is because it hurts to talk about. Yeah. And when I was bringing up these conversations to have those conversations with the people around me that I thought would love me, it was so hard and so scary and so unpredictable. And so I think emotionally consuming that, that there was a, a, I never want to talk to you again moment. Yeah. And that channel of communication was over at that point, And you remember that day. Yeah. I could have said, you know what the hell with this all? I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to go get high. But instead I turned it, I turned it into action. That, that to me is like, is like, guys, that can't be uh, a luck of the draw. It was a conscious decision. Yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, that person, you know, I would love to still have that conversation with, with my mom, with these people. I would, I would love mm -hmm. to. I know it won't happen because many opportunities since then, you know, 22 years ago, uh, have presented themselves and it hasn't. So I have to be okay with that being the relationship. And I have come to the understanding that I am. Yeah. So then what do I do for myself? See, this is the, this is the thing listeners. It's like, I went through some of these lists and I wanted to find out some of the average things we could do to avoid being dead at the end of an addiction. Yeah. And some of them are very interesting, but they don't touch base on what we need to dive down on today. One of them is recognize there's a problem. We hear that in a 12 step community. Yeah. Admit that you you have an addiction. Well, that's great. Awesome. It's true. You've got to recognize there's a problem. That, that is one thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The second one they talk about is reflect on what's important. Well, of course, right? Mm -hmm. This is where it starts getting murky for someone who's stuck in addiction. Though, what really is important? Yeah. Getting high, avoiding them, pain. You know, that's uh, all um, important. You know, giving the having the world give me a living. Nah. So we we got to put our priorities straight. Yeah. Because and, for them, that's all they see. Uh huh. The next one is interesting too, because I think we failed you out there on this one. Listeners seek professional help. Yeah. Because professional help comes with a price tag. Yeah. And so it's limited and to, to a degree it has to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To, to, to do what, what Marissa and I do. Um, and we give a lot away. Mm -hmm. It's, it's taxing. It's taxing. Yeah. Um, that's why we're so appreciative when people jump on it and want to you know, join the sober coaching yeah. or they want to donate on Patreon, donate on Patreon right? Yeah. We've been able to receive some grant funding for the first time in 11 years. Yeah. That's going to help create and produce many more experiences for addict to athlete. But we have four kids. We have a family to provide for too. So, so seeking professional help is important, but also we've been a little bit bamboozled with that too. 
there's been a lot of false hope that's been given on some of those, right? I don't care if you go to the Betty Ford clinic and you're spending hand over fist and money, yeah. or if you go to, you know, a, a meeting that's free uh, you know, at noon in the city. Yeah. If you're ready, you'll get it. Yeah. So choose your path to professional help wisely. This one was interesting. Number four, it talks about appreciate and see the beauty of sobriety. That is wickedly hard to do when you're waking up in poverty, when you don't have, when you see scarcity, right? How do you even appreciate sobriety if you don't know you don't what it, it looks like? Mm-hmm. So how do you know what's to do there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so help me understand that, right? Mm-hmm. I get it, but how do you teach and someone to, to see the value yeah. of they, sobriety? When they're in addiction, you can't see outside. No. So that is something that would come with time, we hope, and with um, clean time and recovery. But when they're, you know, using, that's really difficult. I don't think we do enough of, of this. I think we do a lot of the how we've done it, what we've done. But I don't think we do a lot of the recognizing what sobriety truly is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Listeners, I would love for you to post either either here on this platform. I would love for you to, to jump on and maybe do, you know, follow some social media. I would love to know the difference between your addiction and your sobriety because sobriety isn't all kicks and giggles and fun and lilies. Yeah. Is it? No, not at all. There, life is life. Yeah. There's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. And I think it's trying to be clear and understand that that is life. Life is like a roller coaster. You're going to have good and bad and highs and lows and happy and sad. But to me, it's identifying and realizing that that's what life is all about. That's what makes life so beautiful is that we have all of those emotions and that it's not just straight flat all the time, whether it's always happy or always sad, you know, that's why I say that I hate winters, but I, I love them also because when summer comes, I'm so much more grateful. Yeah. You know, I love having four seasons and being able to see the contrast and the, you know, the differences in good, bad, and that is part of life. That's what makes life colorful is all of the extremes everywhere. And if you think life is just supposed to be one way, you're sorely mistaken. And if we have taught people that that's how it should be and that's okay, um, we failed a lot. But this is also where people get a little bit upset when they start talking about why, oh, my bad. There you go. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of an extracurricular sound Kick. effect there. Um, this is also one of the reasons why I think a lot of people have a hard time you know, wrapping their head around sobriety because what does it really entail? It, responsibility. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are struggles. There, it's not all. It's not all easy, you guys. You have to address emotional pain. You have to mm-hmm. address, you know, conflict, and you have to trust. You have mm-hmm. to. You have to let go of the secondary gain. Now, secondary gain is like I'm known better as the addict or the victim than I am someone who's productive and yeah. can su- succeed. I don't know who that person is. Absolutely, yeah. and so that's a hard one. The next one talks about, you know, getting in, and this is a funny one. This has got to be a treatment industry thing. Get into evidence-based based care. <laughs> B- bloody I hell. I love magic words. Evidence-based also care. Everything. Work. I'm going to give you guys a little secret. Everything in the treatment addiction world operates around evidence-based care. 
Mm-hmm. Now, on Team Medic to Athlete, we are, we are going to be implement, we're going to be implementing a survey to help us mm-hmm. kind of wrap our heads around what really works. Yeah, we want to collect data and statistics, yeah. absolutely. And it's good. It's good. I want to have this. And it's called the, what do you call it, the survey? The, it's the Shore Assessment. The Shore Assessment. And it's good. It really is good. But it measures things that can be measured. There's a lot of things that we cannot measure on Team Addict to Athlete. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, we can't measure your why. We can't measure your enthusiasm. We can't measure your temperance to sobriety. Well, we can't again, measure all those that are stuff. subjective to the person and they also change quickly and drastically sometimes. And Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yes, we put addict to athlete prescribes into evidence-based practices and we know that that works, but there are also flu flu words that really <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, it helps, it helps get terms, data and that's awesome. It's not. Yeah. But, and while I do this, because I'm, I'm setting you up and I forgot to tell you this, oh. Tim Harrington posted this, oh. uh, Tim, was it Tim Harrington or Dr. Bob? Dr. Oh, that Bob. Was Dr. Bob. I need you to pull up Dr. Yes, Bob because we're it. going to be leaning towards this. And if you have not listened to the podcast with Dr. Bob, go back and find it. I'll find it and try to share it in the comments. I love this man. And Dr. Bob is very it's, on I think point. It's called recovery takes place in the community, but let me find his post that we were talking. The about. other, the other thing that, that many programs and many outlets want you to do is identify your triggers. Well, duh, that should have been right out the gate. Mm-hmm. The next one's change your environment. Yeah, okay. That's going to help. And then believe it or not, guess what? Exercise. Yeah. That's what we talk about. I right? found exercise on, out of the, about, about the seven lists that I found exercise was on at least five of them. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because it works. Listeners on Saturday, I was able to coach and watch and assist and participate in six people challenging themselves to accomplish a half marathon. That's 13.1 miles down a canyon you know, through the city of, of, uh, of, of Provo. And each one of them at the beginning had kind of their own set of doubts. Each one of them completed the goal. There was a time I was out there running with Tracy, one of our Patreon subscribers. And she was like, talk about how nervous she was and, and how challenging this was. And I was talking to, to, um, to Krista um, and, and Krista was telling me like, man, I, I, I'm doing this just to get out of my own way. Yeah. Right. And, and all these reasons, um, none of them would tell you that, yeah, we are avid runners, but each one of them moved to become a runner. Absolutely. So exercise wasn't just a, you know, be fit, get on Instagram. It's also like, challenging ourselves. It's about putting ourselves in the position to like, get back to what we're humanly designed to do, which is to overcome adversity and move. Yeah. So I've noticed this, and this is something I'm going to start offering to you, the listener. um, If you'd like to ever sign up for it, if you truly want to work on trauma and you want to work through EMDR therapy, let's go out for a a good walk or, or or a light jog or a hike together. Yeah. Because this will change your world. I'm going to be hopefully uh, engaging with the, um, uh, the Shapiro Institution who kind of founded EMDR to see if we can get some, some uh, funding for some studies I'd like to do on using EMDR therapy through movement. I would love it. 
because this, uh, listeners, this is where it's all about. <laughs> this is the coolest thing. Every one of those runners got up there to this, this mountaintop and they ran and they ran and they walked and they, yeah. and they struggled and they finished and they all walked away a champion. And each one of them wrote on the bottom of their shoe, something they were going to leave behind. Mm -hmm. So I have them write the word doubt on the bottom of the shoe. Maybe they write the word pain on the bottom of their shoe. Maybe they write addiction on the bottom of their shoe. Then they run 13.1 miles. And guess what happens at the finish line when they look to find their pain or their struggle or whatever word they put on there, guess where that word is. It's gone. It's gone. Where is it? Where's that? It's on 13.1 miles of road. Yep. It's a metaphor. And, that, and they can feel it like at the top of that, you identify it's a physical it as an way and an action oriented way to let it go. And like you've said before, they can go back and pick it up. Oh yeah. You, you can, can say, huh, well, I, I still have a lot of doubt and I'm going to keep using that, but it's a perfect way to just really let it go. Absolutely. No one's going to go back to that starting line and pick up their doubt because they've already accomplished the goal. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter if you made it there in an hour and 10 minutes, or if you made it there in four hours, time doesn't matter at all. Nope. I could each one of you listening right now, even if you are like, like the epitome of what a couch potato would look like. <clears throat> if I said to you, we're going out to run a half marathon, mm -hmm. would you come with me? More, many of you right now are thinking, no, 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 no. I would, I wouldn't do that. But if I said there is, there's $150,000 in cash waiting for you when you cross that line. Will you come with me? More than half of you'd be like, well, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Some of you'd still be like, no, man, not worth it. If there was $1 million, all yours, and all you have to do is cross that finish line, will you do it? See, everyone's motivated by something. Your sobriety, your recovery is no different. But if you don't have motivation, chances are you're not going to have the activation, the motivation to move forward. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, so I, I like that. The last thing that these overdose predictors are is to accept the past. That's kind of a kick in the butt. <laughs> but that's also a, part of the heart, <laughs> you know, a, this is a conglomeration of treatment centers that I've looked at for, for their SEO, the money treatment centers put on a blog and they'll give you these awesome tips but what in the hell do all these mean? Yeah. Because realistically, what is it really, what is your recovery really based on? I will tell you hundred percent. It's based on relationships. 100%. There's a program out there that says, do not get in any relationships for a year. That is impossible for us as humans. I need you to know that. What it's talking about is sexual intimacy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that you over yeah, there? Sorry. You want to hear more of my voice? <laughs> okay. What it's talking about is sexual intimacy. Okay, you want to be careful with that because you're, you're healing. Yeah. But it is physically and emotionally impossible for you not to get engaged in relationships, whether that's relationships with people, with family, with, with workers, coworkers, mm -hmm. you know, with things, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's impossible. It's impossible for you not to. Yeah. So what do we do with this? Okay. I think we start breaking outside the box. So how do we do that? Do you want me to read some of Dr. Bob's post here? 100%. Okay. So Dr. Bob is 
a professional clinical advisor, professor, trainer, researcher. He's phenomenal. I posted the link in our Facebook comments of his podcast. And he says, what if we all got it wrong? I only write this to create continuing discussion. Have not 50 plus years a failed experiment of putting a new coat of paint on old models and calling it innovation taught us anything? In any case, the poor outcomes from traditional treatment and prevention programs may be a red flag that yes, we got it all wrong. Dr. Bob also has been doing this for 50 years. 50 years. He knows and understands where this has been in the treatment industry. Have we been sold a recovery narrative that is based on popular belief rather than science? Since many of the beliefs that drive treatment protocols are based on pseudoscience and intuition, what if, he asks, addiction is not a chronic disease? What if addiction is not a family disease? What if codependency is just a challenging transactional pattern? Mm -hmm. What if abstinence is only required for very few folks? That's going to cause a lot of people to get mad at that one. It's going to cause them rip like What if longer right. time in rehab actually produces negative results? What if most folks stop using drugs on their own? Which we've seen that. Which we've seen happen. I'm one of those. What if most folks who use drugs are not self-medicating pathology? What if labeling oneself as being in recovery produces negative results? Thank you. What if at the acute stage, rehabs are treating the wrong illness? 100%. What if harm reduction, medical attention is often the best course? Mm -hmm. What if we have just been treating the wrong behavioral changes? Mm -hmm. What if terms like enabler, codependency, dry drunk, hero child, shame-based, et cetera, benefit the treatment industry and hurt the patient? 100%. What if the lack of treatment standards of care and hard to find outcomes are a major cause of the stigma? All of the above come under the category. If, on, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. You can't build a system on a weak foundation. And it's so true. I love it. He's spot he, on. Dr. Bob thinks and looks outside the box. Like I've, I, I made a comment and said, he doesn't even address addiction as even having a box because he's, he's like, we've been stuck and yeah, everything is looking like a nail and there's only one thing we can do to treat it. And no, there's not exactly there's a whole lot more. I've said this a million times. Your addiction is a symptom of something inside. It's something different. And when we make it look like your, your addiction is the one and only in the be all to your issues, then we neglect the causality of what's pushing it. If you want to, if we want to end this, we have to get down to the core of what's really going on. And that is stuff hurts. Yep. We have to get to the source of the pain and we, we have, have to, to address be okay. it. Yeah. yeah we have to it. feel it. We have to address it. Then we have to find multiple different ways to cope with it. So even with addict athlete, a lot of people think that we, you know, erase the addiction and replace it with healthy recreation. That's, that is our goal. But if we only replace it with running, or we only replace it with weightlifting, and that is our tool, we're going to be in a lot of heartache. We're going to hurt you. In time. Yeah. Because again, you're just putting every, all your eggs in one basket. You trip and fall, you break the eggs, you're, you're back using again. You know, mm -hmm. you get an injury, you can't go run. 
you're in trouble. So it's, it's trying and practicing and involving and adapting so many different coping skills. This is why we're doing things a lot different on Team Medic Athlete. We're not just a sober recreational program. We are a therapeutic recreational program, meaning we're going to help you process the pain. We're going to help teach you to become the coaches of the next generation. We need to put you in a position by which your, your mess can be turned into a message. It's an important part of the healing process. Getting you in and training you just how to run a race would be completely, I, I guess, uh, pointless if you weren't doing it for a bigger reason. You know, no one, no one cares. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What we care about is everything you experienced on that way to that finish line so that then you can become the next advocate, the next mentor, the next peer-to-peer resource to someone else. Because service, I, I truly believe, is where relationships begin and where they thrive. We are a relationship-based program. That's why our teams are, are so strong. And, and when we try to be bigger, better, faster, stronger, it doesn't work on Team Attitude Athlete. Mm-hmm. Only relationships can solve this issue. It's not about what you're using. It's not about how much you're using. It doesn't matter if you're on MAT. It doesn't matter what avenue you use as a resource to get you clean. What matters are the people that you surround yourself with. Yep. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? We got to get down to the source code. I do a lot of videos and a lot of podcasts on the core issue. It's time to find it and, and excuse it. Parenting and the way we were parented and, and all that, those are just at the bottom line. They're excuses. And I can use every excuse I had to, to justify and validate my addiction, but I found a more excellent way. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to do, all, we have so many more drops on this. We're going to have to do, but it's time athletes. It's time. One thing I love about team Addict athlete is we don't just have addicts here. We have yeah. other resources. We have people that have never used before that we, went through the same problems we'll together we because why we're all humans going through a human journey, having struggles and trials and, so we do it together. Absolutely. Keep keep a hold of the website, addictoathlete.org listeners. Really dive down. We're going to do a few more of these kind of like Q&A things because we've got to get down to the source code. The troops aren't coming. We're the troops. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Yep. Like, Relationships yeah. are the cure, 100%, 100%. And um, it doesn't matter if you're first or last, so long as you give it your all. Yeah. Um, this will be posted as a podcast. Please send this to people that need to hear it and let's get you going. Resources, look for Marissa and I. Again, we're looking for some uh, some training. If you want to, if you want, you need therapy counseling, let me know. We'll get you guys set up. Uh, until next time, from the mess into a message.